Welcome once again to Packet Pushes, the data networking podcast that swan dives into security because, let's face it, the networking team does most of the heavy lifting when it comes to security architecture and enforcement. In today's sponsored show with Cisco Systems, we're talking to partners Equilibrium Security and E-Plus IGX. This show is a bit unique because we're actually going to run it in two parts, and we're going to discuss how each of these Cisco partners connects their customers to security solutions based around GDPR. Now, the imminent landing of GDPR is a big deal. The General Data Protection Regulation is a privacy regulation coming from the EU government with a very strong focus on personal privacy. And for many companies, it's a fearsome piece of legislation because it affects so many customers, they can't ignore it and they can't sort of work around it. It has this massive ramification to just about everything that companies do, especially if you're based in the EU. But even if you're an American company that has customers in the EU, you have to do this for each unique EU customer. And that's quite unique. That's what makes it just a little fearsome. Let's kick off the discussion with Anish Chauhan from Equilibrium Security. Now, Anish, thanks very much for coming to the show. Let's just quickly move into what we want to talk about today. Give us a rough summary very quickly about what it is that matters for GDPR from your point of view. Okay, sure. Uh, so thanks for the intro, first of all. Uh, so I am Anish Chauhan, Director of Equity Security, as you quite rightly said. Um, we are cybersecurity specialists in the UK. Um, and I guess we've got three kind of main aspects to what we do. Um, we kind of consult, we implement and we monitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fairly safe to say we can see plenty of change on the horizon. Yes, um, that is the GDPR we know and love. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the way we see it, there's a lot of there's a lot of myth, and I think there is. We almost have to stop ourselves from being quite agitated <laughs> when we read a lot of what we read, um, and that's because there's so much scaremongering that for mm-hmm. one, which of course you'd probably expect, but 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 the secondly, and this is the, the the thing that really gets our goat. This is the oh, buy our product and you will be GDPR compliant. Yeah. Now. Right. That's like saying buy a firewall and you'll be secure. (laughs) (laughs) It is indeed. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, and this is the thing, and this is what people, and the the worrying thing is people are buying into this. People are buying into, businesses are going, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. So I'm going to buy this product and hope, I'm just going to go on what these guys are telling me and hope that it's right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and really it's... um, it's quite concerning is that the amount of misinformation that's out there. That's well, what we're, we're Well, I think the challenge here, for, and I don't want to go into GDPR in detail in this show because really it's a mammoth thing, but just like the whole concept of securing your company is actually a multi-part thing. Firewalls are one part, monitoring solutions, visibility solutions, audits, configuration control, recovery processes, security. There's so many different parts. And GDPR is roughly similar to that in that the scope is enormous in terms of if you have data, you have to protect it. But most importantly, you have to be able to delete it. And that changes so many different things. It really does. Absolutely. Um, I think that the, the, the thing that worries a lot of people is they're not, they're so, um, they know, uh, businesses know that they're they're being a little bit lackadaisical about this. They know they're not really worried about where their data is and knowing where to delete it and they know what to do with it uh, correctly. So um, I, I do genuinely believe that this is the, the one key area. There's lots of areas. And like mm. you said, there's, it's such a wide-ranging regulation. It's probably fair to say it's probably the most wide-ranging regulation of of my uh, career so far yeah. of the 20 or, 20 or so years I've, I've been in the industry. The last um, time we saw something this significant was PCI when the credit card industry started to introduce PCI. It is on the same scale, but actually far deeper. Let's, far talk, deeper, about, yeah. let's talk about the sort of some, some aspects. So we know that the GDPR journey is large. Let's talk about just a few key points there that Equilibrium Security has been focusing on with customers. So the first one that you've, we talked about was breach reporting. This is new. 
this is new very much so so the the key thing for with this is being able to so let, let's take the uk as an example so the supervisory authority in the uk is the uh, ico the information mm-hmm. commissioner's office um they have mandated that um if you do suffer a breach you've got to be able to report it within the 72 hours now uh, of you knowing it of course um, yes. but but with with that with that reporting it can't just be go well we were breached uh, don't know how it happened don't know where they got in don't know what information they took but hey we were breached that's, that's just not going to be acceptable absolutely that that and so you have to a notify somebody within 72 hours of a breach being detected and you also have to have forensics to prove what happened in the breach you absolutely and that's do. now a legal requirement is what you're saying it is, yeah. yeah so let's let's make let's turn that around a little bit what sort of port tools from the cisco security portfolio have you brought to the table to to meet that breach recording requirement yeah, sure. Well, the first one is um, a Cisco Umbrella. So mm-hmm. we actually uh, provided uh, organizations with Cisco Umbrella because this was a real easy thing to turn on and implement. It wasn't uh, massively cumbersome, but, it, but it, it got them to a point where they could actually provide reports and look at what information is going in and out of the organization. And this is a key thing. Mm-hmm. It is just in and out at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is just the element that Umbrella is going to address. But it's it's pretty wide ranging. And as its mm-hmm. name suggests, it f- effectively acts as an umbrella around the organization. So it's based on DNS and it really secures. Yep. So Cisco Umbrella looks at DNS, you're seeing outbound queries go out on DNS. So now all of a sudden you're getting data on exfiltration because the mal you know, if somebody's breached, they probably they have to exfiltrate the data over WAN links or internet connections. They do, yeah. Are there any other aspects of breach reporting that you could use for forensics? Any other Cisco tools you consider? Yeah, there's another one which you looked at, and this is um, something called um, StealthWatch. Now, mm-hmm. the key part of StealthWatch is something called encrypted traffic analytics. Now, um, traditionally, the only way we can inspect encrypted traffic is by the overheaded, the kind of burden of decrypting it, inspecting it, re-encrypting it, and sending it on its way. And that's probably okay at the perimeter um, mm-hmm. on a perimeter device, but how do you do that across the entire network? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, encrypted traffic analytics looks at the, the the pattern of the encrypted traffic. It doesn't necessarily need to de-encrypt it. So that's that's a new tool that Cisco's only brought out recently, mainly focused in the WAN and the campus. So that's that entri- encrypted traffic analytics is quite useful for uh, lateral movement inside the network. Spot on, yeah. Right. So the next step in a GDPR planning is user account control, where you've got to have much tighter control over your users because you've got to be able to prove that you've actually kept the data safe. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yeah. So the where a lot of companies fall down is um, having lots of either they don't have a process around when people leave and join. So maybe when they join, sure, they get given a new uh, login credentials and they're given access to what they need. But actually, what's the process when they leave, particularly when organizations have got a lot of transient staff? So contractors, they come in, they're there for three, six, 12 months, maybe. But when they leave, how do you tidy up the access yes. that they had? And Cisco ISC, Identity Service Engine, is a great way of doing this because it takes away from it being such a static uh yeah, Active Directory. Hinge your Active Directory account. It's active for six months. Sort of yeah, thing, absolutely. You know? yeah. And you leave after three. So there's three months of coverage where someone else could be using that account. Or yeah. It's also about what access levels you've been given. I mean, have you given people too much access or too, you know, as part of just, I'm too tired to worry about it. So this is part about saying we took reasonable steps to protect ourselves when in the event of a breach. What about, so more about that duty of care. There is a whole duty of care here to prevent data loss. You have to say to the ICO, we did all the things we were supposed to do, but we still got breached. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. So, for example, the, the, the classic examples are the perimeter firewall, but the, the problem which a lot of organizations face is there isn't really a perimeter. Where is a perimeter? Where are you going to put that firewall? Um, so really, you've got to be doing regular malware detection. You know, looking at how you know, malware behaves in a certain way, and quite often it can just sit dormant for, for years, uh, well, possibly years in extreme cases, but mainly, you know, up to 100, 100 or 200 days. Um, Actually, you need to be you need to analyze that data and that malware and understand what it is it's doing because it will do lots of things before it actually executes. Mm. So, being able to detect that is going to put you in a really good place. And this means you're getting down to things like continuous scanning across the network. What sort of products again are you looking at there from the Cisco portfolio? So, yeah. So, from the Cisco portfolio, the general sort of firepower um, uh, product. So, a few years ago, Cisco acquired a company called Sourcefire, and this was a really good turning point in Cisco's portfolio because they started to integrate a lot more um, intrusion prevention type engagement type, type products. And what that meant was there's a lot more analytics. Now, behind that, powered by that, is something called Cisco Talos. Cisco sees more internet traffic than anybody than anybody else in the world. Behind all of that is Cisco Talos. Now these are these are three hundred or so security analysts. Now all they're doing all day is analysing malware patterns. So the, the the most simplest, crudest example is if a new piece of malware is identified in China um, that hasn't never been seen been seen before. It's 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 zero day. Immediately, they're in all the Cisco products, so whether mm-hmm. that's Firepower or Amp or anything else, that can use that Talos yes. knowledge and expertise and basically uh, keep organization presented. So it's a, a threat intelligence system. These people are actively searching out threats. They're, they're security researchers. They're engaging with the dark web. They're engaging with, uh, you know, semi-criminal. Or in some cases, I've heard them talk about um, engaging with governments and large companies to get things fixed ahead of time. So they were part of um, a large-scale security responses. Yeah, absolutely. And what what they've actually the, the end result of that is basically the the new the mean time to detection, which was mm-hmm. previously you know, two three hundred days, is now you know thirteen hours, which is pretty impressive, really. And of course, you know you've got a duty of care to prevent data loss. So of course, we previously talked about Stealth Watch and Umbrella, yeah, uh, because they're again able to tell you what's happening inside the perimeter. And Umbrella is also very useful in the case of Exfil. And when customers start, you know, tracking that data so you know that uh, you can prevent it because you'll start getting alerts from the system. So the final part about this is data management, right? So when customers buy data user information from other parties or whatever, that means that you've got this responsibility to not keep the data infinitely. GDPR is quite clear about that. Uh, it, it is clear about that, but there is some, as, as it are with all kind of regulations of like this uh, of this kind, there are you know some some elements of ambiguity. Now, there's information that you do need to hold to ensure that um, you're holding it in the correct way, even though that person might have been asked to to be removed. Uh, let me give you an example. So we worked with a the customer. They said, okay, that's fine. When somebody unsubscribes, we remove their data. However, we need to keep their data or some element of it so that when we buy new data lists, we know that they've already asked, been asked to subscribe. Right. But it has to be relevant. It has to be relevant. You know, to do that activity, you don't need to keep all of the information. You just need it relevant. <laughs> so, but there is an element of relevance, basically. Yeah, this is really <laughs> in the face of the Silicon Valley companies who've been told to keep all the data, everything. Don't delete a single thing because it's <laughs> worth money eventually. And uh, the GDPR, really, regulations say you can only keep what you actually have to. You can't just speculatively keep all the data in the world. That 
you must keep it for a specific reason and be clear about it. So let's talk about um, some of the case studies that you've got done. And obviously, Equilibrium Security has been working with customers and delivering solutions in this area. Do you want to run over what you've done for specific companies? Yeah, sure. I'll give you a specific example. Um, so one of them is uh, we had a customer who was um, historically a traditional recruitment consultancy. Um, so traditionally in the sense that uh, people sent in CVs, they did word matches or whatever recruitment consultants do against that and essentially, you know, tried to match those organizations, sorry, those individuals with organizations. Now, they were essentially adopting a new way of trying to move away from that traditional recruiting process, uh, try to be a bit more inventive about it. And what they did was they developed a platform that undertakes kind of testing and profiling to include aspects like personality and culture, which you can't get from a CV. Mm-hmm. Now, what that meant for this company was that the data they holding they're holding now is far more critical to their business and to their client. So, you know, being able to just um, you know keep CVs in a way that can be easily uh, um, accessed and deleted, you know, the, the, the basically their data suddenly becomes you know like four dimensional essentially. Yes. Um, so you're not just so, holding somebody's resume in a Word document; you're actually <laughs> holding an entire database of parameters around their personality type. You know what their outlook is: are they positive? Are they optimists? Are they pessimists? You know that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it takes it takes sort of you know, like like you like you just said, it takes uh, personally identifiable information to it to a whole new level, really. Um, so what we did for them, we took a full comprehensive assessment of their their processes around the handling of the data and um, how they how they manage it and how they access it and how users access it and are, is it relevant? Um, and they had um, a lot of um, gaps. Basically, we essentially did did a full blown um impact assessment yeah exactly and then you start saying this is how we can fix the gaps we can put plaster yeah. in here and start you know this is the gap this isn't being attended to if we took this product we could match it to that gap and so forth yeah exactly um so so their their key thing is being being like a 400 user organization they had a lot of transient staff so people come and go and they had no control over who had access to what when they left so they had no process no process to remove the access which is a, a point i kind of alluded mm-hmm. to earlier on um the other problem they had is they had really poor firewall security so as they'd grown over the years they, they clearly at one point had worked on a firewall strategy um so they had uh you know firewalls dotted around their organization where they felt they needed them but this strategy hadn't really been looked at or updated for many years and it it no longer reflected the way in which the data was being accessed so if you think about when they you know maybe five six years or so that that was a layer three uh, perimeter security solution so they had a firewall and it kind of kept the bad guys out or at least they thought so anyway they like they like vegetable patches if you don't go in and turn them over and tend to them and put fertilizer <laughs> and you know compost they they stop they they lose function they don't really do a good job of producing vegetables and that's why that's, you have strong network operations and security ops really absolutely that's quite an interesting analogy actually I've so, not heard so that what all. products did you bring to them from the Cisco portfolio that were to boost all of that back up to a level that's GDPR ready yeah so the first one was it was Cisco ISC which we mentioned briefly before so what this allowed them to do was really have access and control so it, it, it took away the burden of creating new let's say wireless guest accounts or mm. you know temporary user accounts away from the network admins it, it enabled them to push that administration onto you know well basically away from the network network admins which you know so down to the human to, resources team yeah. they were when somebody was onboarded the account was handled when they yeah. left they were out they were offboarded exactly yeah and wherever that person was so whether they're accessing accessing company data from an ipad or whether it was mm-hmm. from their uh, laptop or whether accessing from home it gave them a different set of profiles it gave them a different set of credentials different things that they could access and it does all of this through security group tagging 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and the other thing. With Hopefully the, everybody listening knows what a security group tag is by now. Cisco's, <laughs> that technology has been a part of Cisco's portfolio for oof, good five, maybe eight years now. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. So it should be well known. Yes. Uh, and the other thing is they had, really, like we said, the, the poor firewall security. What we looked yep. at, we gave them um, uh, Cisco Firepower. Mm-hmm. What that did, it turned, turned their, uh, it, it, it took their standard layer three firewall to a next generation firewall where they're not just filtering packets on a, on a layer three basis, which, which quite frankly is no longer adequate and hasn't been adequate for quite some time. Um, it, it allowed them to, you know, do, do the IPS, do the AMP, you know, which are you know, powered by the Talos intelligence. Um, it, it allowed them to have uh, URL filtering capability on their, on those firewalls. And it really, really bolstered how they're able to sort of protect their organization. Okay. What other choices did they, did you bring to them, but they may not, that you could have brought to them to help them with that? Yeah, it was quite a big overhaul what we did. Mm. So we did look at them about the encrypted traffic anal- analytics, and mm. that they, they were brought into it. Um, uh, I think we, we we did we did create quite a lot of change for them. So they did mm. essentially go. This is one for maybe six months time. So once once they've got a better understanding yep. of their network and their infrastructure, being able to overlay. Um, Stealthwatch and the the ETA capability across the network is something they're really really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, once they once they've made some other organisational changes, they were going to be implementing that as well. The one here that we talked about in during the prep for this call was CloudLock. That's pretty interesting. Um, have you actually considered that? Like, not everybody knows what a CASB is. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I suppose just to go back briefly to to the general uh, uh, GDPR approach. One of the things that we have seen is organizations being a little bit naive i suppose is probably the right word to use mm-hmm. uh, as, to, as to what information is being shared in the cloud so once they are um adopting a cloud strategy so let's say just for argument's sake they go for office 365 suddenly all their users are very much used to uh, storing data in the cloud so they're going mm-hmm. okay well i can access this data from anywhere so if i'm accessing from a browser or my apps on my phone um then you know that's pretty secure what that then has then done is opened up the uh, a gateway to them sharing other information. So, with being the uh, we're having the ability to share, um, mm. let's say a SharePoint folder, for example, with a third party. Um, where's the control? Where's the visibility in that? Who's actually managing that? And that's where we've done cloud security assessments, um, and we've looked at organisations and gone, okay, so uh, you adopted Office three six five three years ago. Let's go back. Let's put a roll on his hand now, but let's have a look what information has been shared over the last three years. Yeah. Where's, yeah. What, what data and who is, accessed it? And, and who accessed when it? accessed it? So this comes back to that breach reporting requirement where you have to say, yes, we've been breached, and here's the forensics on what was accessed. We know these people did it. We know where to point the finger at sort of thing. You know, and you're also demonstrating that duty of care because you've had something which has been monitoring that. And you say, look, we've done all the things I call this plausible deniability sometimes. <laughs> you know, we did all the good things that we're supposed to do. The, the thing that I'm taking away from what you're saying is it's not just enough to throw up a firewall anymore. It has to be the next level. It has to be much more into user management, access control, and also tracking what's actually going on in those apps. Like you say, sharing over SharePoint or stuff that's in the cloud if you've got an S3 bucket or yeah. you know a Dropbox, you need to be able to monitor what goes in and out of those as data goes between. Because for a recruiter, I imagine you're shifting resumes outside your day, your system to the client. You yeah, know, almost to the, all the time. Yeah, to the hire. So you need to track all that in and out of personal data. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 the whole cl- the, the 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 cloud assessment, the cloud security assessments we've done has probably been the single most biggest eye opener, I'd say, for a lot of organisations because <laughs> there's been they're, they're so. Um, 
hell bent, I suppose, which is, is the right word, is uh, focusing on that perimeter, focusing on the, the security, the traffic is going in and out. But what about the unsanctioned apps? Where's where's the vis- visibility there? So I think we've come to the end here. Why don't you leap in and tell people where they can find you on the internet? Okay, well, we've set up a special landing page for this, uh, which is, can be found at equilibrium-security.co.uk forward slash podcasts, where organisations can uh, subscribe and put their information in and be, receive receive a complimentary cloud security assessment. Fantastic. And uh, we've got those links in the show notes. So if you're missing a pen and paper right now or you can't record those, head on over to Packet Pushes where you can get more detail for this. Anish, thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you, Greg. Let's turn to Alex Goldstein from the E-plus company IGX. Now, Alex, one aspect of GDPR is the responsibility around breach detection and notification. And before we talk solutions, what do you think and, and what is E-plus seeing with clients around the requirements of breach per reporting in the context of GDPR? Yeah, so really the, the, the biggest part of GDPR is, is the reporting factor that you have to get information uh, upon a breach within three days. Yes, and that's um, in Europe. That's not the so. You, if you have a breach, even if you're a US company, you still have to report to an EU company it, to the EU body within 72 hours. Yeah. So when you take into consideration, especially uh, financials, uh, medical, mm-hmm. um, pharmaceuticals, they they have a uh, global reach, so they're everybody's stressed. stressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the biggest problem is you have an average uh, time to that that organizations are detecting breach 100 days. So when you look at GDPR, you have to report within three days, but that's when they find out about it. So they could have been breached for who knows how long. Months. Yeah, we, right. we've heard that so, story before. Like this, you know, lots of high-profile stories where the, you know, the, the 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 attackers were all up in their network for months before they found out, and they only found out after the damage was done or the exfiltration had long since passed. So yeah, yeah, that's a, right. that's a common story. So I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to a, a couple of uh, breach detection reports. Uh, the 2017 Verizon Data Breach Investigation Report. Uh, typical time to com- compromise continues to be measured in minutes. While time to discovery remains in weeks or months, okay, so that goes into the realm of how long it takes to determine whether you've been breached or not. Uh, Pinamon Institute 2017 data breach report: 206 days, average amount of time to detect a breach. Wow. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I think we all know that. I think anybody who's done this sort of firewalling and security architecture in the network and you've got a firewall, you know you don't know what's happening inside the perimeter. So yeah, what are we going to do? Let's, let's turn that around. Let's talk about what we can do to detect that or or to manage the breach process. Right. So here's the general rule. And in, in when Cisco purchased SourceFire, mm-hmm. there was a, kind of a marketing term that they used uh, before, during, and after. Marty Roche, who invented uh, SourceFire and Snort and whatever, went on to do this, this marketing thing. The, the, the key thing is before, during, after. Mm-hmm. Nobody focused on the after before, which is how you determine whether you've been breached, correct? Yes, that's right. So, so the trick is always to prevent the breach or detect the breach, but then nobody actually focused on how do you pick up the pieces. You know, and that's the significant the thing about this. So in the past, organizations have been saying, we're going to protect you, mm. you during. Well, obviously, that has not been successful. So you got to have an after strategy. And that's where some of the key products in the Cisco security portfolio really make a difference. Okay. Right. So, so you're, you're, you're focusing then down on forensics. So which products from the portfolio are good for forensics from your point of view? Right. So in my opinion, Network Amp and Endpoint Amp are, are really key to this. Mm-hmm. Right. And the big reason is the unique capability 
to determine when and what components have been touched and what happened within those components. And that's called trajectory. There's two types of trajectory, file, which are the network components and device. So within mm -hmm. a, in, uh, an endpoint, I can determine what that malicious file did. Right. So AMP is Advanced Malware Protection for Networks. So you said there's two parts here. There's an endpoint. So this is an agent that goes on computers. So Cisco AMP for endpoint. Right. And then there's an AMP services, which is a network scanning engine, if I'm getting that right. Right. So AMP for the network actually lives um, there as a dedicated appliance, or it could live as a service on Firepower, their mm. next generation firewall. So right. that's then able to detect malware as it goes in motion through your network. That's correct. And it can determine when you look at the trajectory exactly what endpoints are affected by this malware. Most yeah. significantly, you can determine patient zero when ah, it came so in on a one endpoint, right? And you have correlation between the endpoint uh, AMP and the uh, AMP for network. Oh, so right. So what you're seeing is when it gets in, where, where did it breach the edge? How to get in, and then as it starts to move laterally around your network, you can detect it as it crosses the AMP network points across. The, so you can have campus edge, you can have various parts of your campus, and then in the data center or at your WAN edge, and you can see as it moves around. Is that? Am I getting that right? You are getting that right. It's it's pretty remarkable, and it's unique to Cisco and, and yep. uh, the next generation firewalls, where well as the AMP for AMP point. Mm -hmm. Right. So the key to this all is really Talos. The security intelligence organization. Mm. I, I think this is the most undersold advantage that the Cisco security portfolio has overall. Yeah. Um, yeah. This gives the ability to disperse all the information that we see, not only from Cisco products, but third-party feeds as well, and turn it into instant actionable information. Uh, I think the, the uh, partner um, who was on before me uh, mentioned something, a mean time to detection of 13 hours and the industry average is looking at a, a breach detection, detection period of, of uh, up to 206 days. That's significant. Mm. Right. Not only is Talos a security intelligence operation, they are hunters. If you remember the Angler mm. ransomware attack, the, the engineers from Talos actually took that down. Yeah, right. and they they were uh, they work with nation states, so they work with governments and agencies to try and solve these problems ahead of time. They don't even a lot of the stuff that they're working on, we don't even know. They are actually one of the preeminent threat intelligence companies or threat research companies. Absolutely. So you're saying because Absolutely. this is built into all of the Cisco security products, so they actually feed into a lot of them. Um, that gives you this ability to recognize malware that you may not ever, ever otherwise heard of. So you're saying that leadership in the threat intelligence is a key factor? Is that what I'm hearing? It's a, it's a huge factor. It's a, I think it's a differentiator when you're looking at security products. Right? And the thing about Talos is you can't buy it. You can't buy that service. It's included with the purchase and subscription of the Cisco product portfolio. Mm. What about Tetration? We've seen Cisco make a big push around Tetration for this forensic capability. Is that a tool that you've seen used? Absolutely. It's really kind of shifted from data center analytics and all of a sudden you see security folks looking at this tool saying, wow, I can see what's going on with the applications. And in case of a breach, I can determine what information was breached. Right? When you look at GDPR, again, uh, when, when you go to report to your authority, not only do you have to determine when and who and, and, and where, but you also have to determine what. And, and, and the what thing is actually pretty hard to do when you're, when you're looking at large databases, right? So, Saturation uh, definitely yeah. assists in that. 
So you're really quite different, a different approach. You're much more uh, suggesting that a, an approach to endpoint protection is a, is a key part of a strategy. But what about defense in depth? How do we make sure, you know, are there other tools we can bring to the, the portfolio once you've come through the endpoint? Right. So let's, let's take a look at uh, ransomware on this real quick. Cisco actually has a ransomware uh, defense. There's uh, the starter package, which actually in, consists of AMP for endpoint and umbrella, which we've not mentioned yet. Mm -hmm. um, and it also includes email security, but I want to focus on AMP uh, for endpoint and umbrella and how those work together. So we mentioned earlier that you're going to get, you're going to get breached. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, mm. right? So when an endpoint, you know, I went to whatever coffee shop, free Wi-Fi, hopped on, all of a sudden uh, I get this thing on my system, this mm. malicious code on my system. I have Umbrella loaded. I have AMP for Endpoint loaded. AMP looks for the malicious software. However, because of what's going on with malicious software, how quickly it adapts and, and uh, obfuscates protections, AMP probably didn't see it right off. Yeah. But my Endpoint is now calling out to some known malicious domain. And that's where Umbrella comes in. It stops that connection. It has so yes. much... Mm -hmm. Intelligence with all of, because of of the relationships with the, with ISPs and and um, the statistics it received. When you look at uh, the amount of DNS that uh, Umbrella sees, yes, compare so it to the, large the DNS service, a malware has to go has to phone home right. to be useful for right. updates exactly. or to decide what it's going to do. And if you know what DNS entries are associated with malware, you can actually say if I see a query to this. DNS name, I can block it or flag it or alert it or do something with it. Right. And so that prevents exfiltration. Well, well there's two sides to that, I guess, which is for, in terms of breach reporting, you can log exfiltration yep. attempts. Yep. And you can say, yeah, we thought we'd caught this, but oh, look, this got before our system was detected it. Yes, we saw this much data get out. Is that? It won't even let, if it, if it knows that it's a, a bad URL or domain, it's not going to even get out because typically the malicious software has to make that command and control connection yep. to be able to be effective. So at that point, that gives enough time for AMP to go back and update its uh, well, malware database and start this. Yeah. It, that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Right. So the disposition on that piece of malicious software that came in was unknown or or uh, it was a known good and it changed to known bad, mm. right? That's a retrospective event. So it yeah. actually saw that because it, it, it tracks that piece of software for a period of time. Until, and if that uh, malicious software detonates, then it, it, it's changed behavior. A retrospective event happens. It says, hey, we noticed this. This is bad. Stop it. Okay. Can so I, ask you a I want to ask you a tough question here because yep. in the past, we've done endpoint securities on and off over the last 30 years, and yes. it hasn't been awesome, shall we say. Okay. Uh, is your experience of the Cisco AMP endpoints actually been great? Like you've obviously worked with this for customers. You're really excited by it. You're, you're seeing the security value of it. Are you finding it to work? I guess I, I'm going to be blunt and just say, you know, Based on historical experience with, you know, Norton and Symantec and all these other companies, Endpoint didn't quite work for whatever reason. Is it working now? So the only thing that I can give you is customer experience. When we walk in, we use this tool actually for uh, security audits. Mm -hmm. And inevitably, an organization will have whatever security, McAfee, Sophos, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Endpoint security on their system will load AMP. And in 
100% of the instances that we've done an audit, AMP has triggered or, or been triggered and quarantined an activity. Mm. So it's it's really good. It's really good. So you're finding yeah. customers are using it, they're not having problems with it, and they're detecting stuff that's not had a problem. You know, you're picking up stuff that wasn't being detected by typical approaches or legacy approaches. Right. And and again, the I think one of the huge advantages with AMP is it detects a change. So typical products are going to say, oh, I'm going to look at this file. This is This is bad. Stop it. This is good. Let it go. After right. they let it go, or I don't know, and they let it go. Okay. After they let it go, they don't have a way of understanding if that file has changed behavior. And that's the big differentiator with AMP. Right. Right. If that file changes behavior, I take note of it, run it through my sandbox yep. to make sure whether it's no good or no bad, and then uh, push down a disposition on it. This is bad. And have, again, what they call a retrospective event. Right. So you can, even if you miss it the first time around, in principle, the, the AMP will update and then reevaluate very quickly. So Umbrella gives yep. you some defense in depth. We talked previously about Cisco StealthWatch. StealthWatch is a flow analytics engine where you export flow data from some point in your network and you send it off into the cloud to be analyzed. Is that something that you recommend as well? I do. And one of the things that I want to make a point about is how Cisco has taken care in architecting various solutions to work together. I, I think that, uh, first of all, the, the pinnacle of all this, and I'm going to maybe jump ahead of you, is, mm. is, is ICE, Identity Services Engine. And when you take into account uh, Firepower Services, Stealth Watch, uh, Web Security, those are huge things because now I have a protocol, a platform where I can feed information into ICE and have context as to what's going on so that I can make a fully qualified decision, right? So when you take StealthWatch as an example, yes, on its own, it's a phenomenal product, no doubt. Even even with the uh, uh, some of the advances that they made, and I think the, the previous partner talked about this. So when I can take uh, encrypted traffic analytics, when I look at it, encrypted traffic analytics and I'm able to look at encrypted traffic with and determine without mm. decrypting it whether a file is malicious or not. Mm-hmm. That's significant. That is. But significant. Yeah. moreover, when I tie it into ICE via PX Grid, I can send a message to ICE and say, "Hey, this guy is acting weird, or he's got no malicious code on his on his endpoint. Send him a change of authorization. Tell him to go fix himself." Right. So what you're basically alluding to there, as a, as a customer. It's not only the fact that I've got these tools from Cisco, it's the fact that Cisco is actually unifying them. So they're not just standalone. You've actually got operational integrations in the interfaces. So when AMP throws yes. an alert, you can go to StealthWatch and, and see the correlating data with that. Is that what you're saying? I actually have automated action right. on it. And I can see the correlating data. So they're, they're, it's it's twofold. And, and really the automated action is is the critical point because there's going to be a message sent to uh, the administrator, be it yep. uh, network administrator, security minister, saying, "Hey, this guy's been sent a change of authorization because mm-hmm. um, we found uh, malicious code on 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 his uh, endpoint." Right? So at that point, it's like, "Oh, I have stuff to look for, and I have actionable information that I can act on." Right. See, now that's that's Cisco giving you something that other security companies can't do because they've got that size and capability to. They've got all of these products together. But even something they haven't done in the past is brought them together into a unified whole. And 
So this new focus that from Cisco around software and SDN and cloud is actually, we're actually seeing real integrations between these products and you're using them now. We are. Software-defined access is is, uh, uh, really make things automated and much more simple. We just uh, threw it up in a lab and I was really surprised at how Mm. it's taken ice, which is sometimes perceived as a complex product and completely... um, you have to do a third of the configuration. Yes. Yeah. And you and, get, and, and you get, yeah. Yeah, I think Cisco Security is doing some really interesting work here. And the, we saw a demo of SDXS a while back, and actually it looks beautiful. Like they've actually thought about the usability and how it should operate, not just, you know, engineers throwing things on a web page. It's much more about what does the user experience look like? How do we make the user interface? And, and thinking about why are we making them click through a million steps when we could just do the, do it for them? Right, that right. That's, exactly. That's your experience from that. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, and I would have to say this is fairly recent. Let's say the, the past three years plus, they've been really looking at the mm-hmm. uh, the user interface and the user interaction with the products, because you know, let's face it, um, there are a lot of products that uh, uh, point products that are it's easier to more intuitive i guess is the is the term that i should use and uh, cisco recognized that and said you know we need to fix this um the security's complex yes well, and, i don't think security is comp- it has been complex because bringing together the whole thing has been very hard but what we're talking about here is you're saying with just a few technologies i can start to address all of those different areas which is not something historically we've done right mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've had like a firewall here and, you know, prod and pre-prod, and then maybe we've had an IDS, you know, an intrusion detection system, which was scanning traffic for vulnerabilities. Well, things have changed. We It needs to be very much different now that security, you know, the threats are much more higher. So we need to modify the way we approach this and come up with much more sophisticated approaches. But we're also better at developing software than we've ever have been before. Yes, and I think one of the keys to security, regardless of of whose product line you're talking about, is the capability to ingest not just information that I'm getting from my products when I in an in intelligence organization, but the capabilities to bring in and do something with third party feeds as well. Mm. I think that's become tremendously important, and yeah. you're, that's one of the things you're starting to see with Cisco. Um, not only in Talos, but at the product level, ICE can bring in Rapid7, ICE can bring in uh, Qualys CVSS scores, as well as uh, AMP indications of compromise. Mm. So this embracing firepower. Of, so that's embracing yeah. third-party APIs. And you could, as you say, you could have a Qualys scanner going across your network, finding vulnerabilities, and then linking into your ICE and saying, this needs to be fixed or that needs to be fixed. Yeah, but I, I can actually, from, from ICE, bring in a Qualys cloud feed. Yes, it doesn't have to be on my network. Uh-huh. So you can just bring and, and threat data from Qualys that they've already generated from skinning. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I can really add context into decisions that I'm making on mm-hmm. any given endpoint or activity. Okay. So let's wrap this up. You've got GDPR. I, if I was to engage Alex Goldstein from IGX Global, you'd be talking to me about an endpoint-driven security solution. You would You would probably suggest to a client... Get out there, get some AMP around your endpoints, put some AMP in your network so you can detect lateral movement. I would actually take a step back from that and say, right. uh, let's see what's going on with your network. Uh, we have the capability to offer a free mm-hmm. 
what they call security online visibility assessment. Yep. Uh, this has been tremendously successful. Um, in the United States, we did this for a defense contractor and um, he was not, they were not happy to see that um, they had information going to places in the world that uh, it shouldn't be going to. Right. And this is just with a yeah. It's never nice when somebody um, calls your baby ugly, right? <laughs> right. I, uh, it uh, and that's and that's the the raw reality of it. Um, however, they were extremely grateful, and uh, of course, they, they engaged us to uh, look nice. at their overall not only product portfolio that they had in place, but also their how they went about the processes as well. Okay, so you picked me up and basically said, don't get focused on the products, focus on what the needs are first before you dive into solving the problem. Yeah, they're, they're, you have to really look at the business outcome that's desired and then adapt, not adapt, but put in technology that is going to fulfill those requirements. Oh, well, I think, unfortunately, we're approaching the end of this podcast where we've been talking about Cisco security in a sponsored setting, and we've had two resellers come on to talk about their experiences of bringing Cisco security to the GDPR problem that you're all going to have. And uh, so, Alex, tell us where we can find you on the internet. IGXglobal.com. It is an E-plus company. We are international. Go to the website, click on the location that you need, and uh, give us a call. And uh, you mentioned that security online visibility assessment. That sounds really interesting. That might be the best place to get started when you engage IGX Global. So thanks to both of our security partners for joining us today. And thanks to Cisco Security for sponsoring us. Uh, as always, you can find this many more fine, free technical podcasts along with our news and blog site at packetpushes.net. You can follow us on Twitter as at packetpushes. Find us on LinkedIn and like us on Apple Podcasts. In fact, if you could rate us on Apple Podcasts, that would be the biggest thing you could do to help the packet pushes. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.